This is the EMG Podcast Spotlight Interview with your host, Mike Saulpaul. When you meet Hyde Park's Connell Cruz for the first time, and I'm speaking from experience, you get the sense that he is an unassuming person. You can imagine my great surprise then, upon Googling this new EMG frontman, to learn that Connell is an international pop star, a true and legitimate pop star whose original music has taken him around the world. According to his Wikipedia page, and yes, he has one of those, his 2014 record deal with industry icon L.A. Reid to Epic Records is considered the largest and most significant record deal in South African music history. Though, after seeing him perform, it's not really too hard to believe. Connell is an immense talent with great stage awareness and endless charisma. As you'll hear in this interview, though, he stumbled upon fame and never really let it get to his head. He did let it get to his feet, though, and uh, he successfully used those feet to dance his way to a winning crown on Dancing with the Stars, which we get into. I found this interview to be fascinating and hope you are as drawn in as I was, listening to Connell's epic journey, fateful love story, and just how, out of all of the gin joints in the world, he managed to walk into ours. And by the way, you've you've been listening to Connell Cruz, an international pop star and uh, newest DMG frontman this whole time. So enjoy these last few seconds as we uh, lead into the interview here. Ladies and gentlemen, sitting before me is uh, what some might be, uh, you know, calling and considering a Greek god. It is the one, it is the only, it is Mr. Connell Cruz. Connell, how are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm, I'm amazing since being called a Greek god. I like to butter sure. up all of my guests before we actually, uh, you know, get into the interview. Yeah, but that one really, I, I wondered where you were going to go and... Honestly, I've never heard that one before. Yeah, you know what's funny? So is I, was, you- I was wondering where I was going to go to. <laughs> <laughs> no, but thank you, uh, thank you for carving out the time. Um, I've been really looking forward to this because you know it's funny. So Connell, uh, as we know, is the lead singer for one of the lead singers for Hyde Park, and uh, you know this band. You guys are you're my wedding band, and uh, I, I just I love this band so much, and I love you guys. Uh, you know the chemistry that you have. Uh, you know, sort of across the band, but of all of the bands and acts here at EMG, I know you guys the least when it comes to sort of outside uh, outside of the business, right? And so yeah. I'm very excited to use this opportunity, as I'm sure people who are are going to have you at their wedding, listening to this and and getting to know you. I'm I'm very excited to learn a lot, and so you know. Uh, given the circumstances, we are doing this over Zoom. And before we hit record, I said, we almost got into a little bit of a conversation. And I said, no, yeah. no, no, we got it. We have to wait. Yeah. So I like to, I like to always start these by just asking um, you, like, tell me a little bit, who are, who is Connell Cruz in, in a, in a soundbite? Give me, give, give me, give the people just a little taste of who you are. Wow. Um, I'm all, I almost wanted to use Greek God, but I, I'm going to skip that. <laughs> I'm still obsessed. Um, I, uh, Connell Cruz in a soundbite. Uh, I'm an artist and I'm a family man. I think that's the best way to describe me at my, at my core. 
I, I, I think that that's great. So tell me a little bit, um, obviously, if uh, people are listening now, you, you know that Connell doesn't, I sound like I swallowed a bag of trash and you sound so sophisticated. What? No, you sound tell, great. Tell the people, where are you from? Tell us about your upbringing and then we're going to get into the artistry stuff. Tell us oh, a little bit about the home life. Oh, I see. You're talking about the accent. Oh, of course. Yeah. But you know, what? I, I, I guess no one likes what they've got. Do you know what I mean? Everyone likes what they can't have. And yeah, well, the grass is always greener, right? Sure. But yeah. I, I got to tell you, your accent, the American accent, yeah. although yours is, I suppose, typically Northeast. Is that oh, a particular? Yeah. And this is me yeah. trying to really hold it back and sound educated and refined, but I could, right. get, I could sling into the gutter, Connell. But I love that accent. I must tell you that for me, that's exotic. And, and I do get a sense that everywhere I go, whether it's the cashier or, or any show I do or performance, uh, right. everyone has a sort of a mysticism around the South African accent I've got. But really, it's just run of the mill where I'm from. I'm just one of many. But, sure. uh, but really, to me, your accent is very interesting. Um, I'm from South Africa. I was born in South Africa in Johannesburg, um, a small little town called Northcliffe. I grew up in North, everything was Northcliffe, Northcliffe Primary School, Northcliffe High School. Yep. Uh, my church was Northcliffe Union Church. Everything was Northcliffe until, um, until I started um, university and, uh, and I, I, I had lots of interests growing up. I, I didn't really know where I wanted what to land. Like, what, I wanted to what were you like as a little kid? Were you, oh, was, was music uh, always part of the picture? Were you an athlete? Were you, tell me, you know, what, what, what was 10 year old Connell? Do I look, do I look like an athlete? <laughs> not, not at all. <laughs> so that, that gives it away. I wasn't, I certainly wasn't uh, an athlete, although I, I, I never lacked for trying. I did love trying all the different right. sports and um, I had glimmers of greatness, I could say, but certainly never, never anything that would, that would uh, lead to to a life in that. My, my whole passion growing up, were, I had two very simple passions. Uh, the one was thrust upon me. Uh, music is something my family and particularly my grandmother instilled in all of us from a very young age. From the time I was four years old, I was playing the piano. And um, the first school I could get into, um, I was already doing all their musical productions. Well, she, she, was a, she was a musician, I, I take she it. She was, yeah, yeah. Famous. Um, she was born in Spain, in Madrid. Mm -hmm. And uh, she toured all over Europe um, and, and Africa in the 19, 20, 1930s, 40s, 50s mm -hmm. um, as a, uh, a trio with her brother. They were flamenco singers and dancers. And she, mm -hmm. I mean, she was super famous. She used to play for uh, royal, royalty. And, and, uh, How cool is that? Yeah, amazing. And then she met my grandfather um, in Angola, just randomly at a penguin club somewhere. Uh, he sent over a bottle of champagne after a performance. And then he whisked her away to South Africa because he was, he was stationed in South Africa. And that's it. And then she, that's she like gave a, it all that's up. That's like a classic 1940s Hollywood movie. That's, that's like the, the plot yeah. of a movie. That's the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They lived it. It's, it's our history. And, right. um, no, that's great. And she... Uh, she started a family and uh, she had so many children and she had so many grandchildren and she's truly a remarkable woman. And she, um, she instilled in us a love for music and she, she made me take piano. And that's what I did. And I spent all my time uh, doing piano. I mean, anyone who does music know that if you, if you want to um, pursue that route and I was trained classically, you're just rehearsing all day. You're practicing right. all day. And if you're not practicing, you're examining and you're, you're, you're going up the charts. Um, but eventually, when I was old enough, my other interest as a child, um, and this is really in my teenage years, was girls. I just loved 
girls. So those are my two interests, music Kyle, and girls. You and I had uh, parallel lives. <laughs> <laughs> music and girls, and that was it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, so yeah, so, so I didn't really have time for sport. In fact, uh, I think um, a lot of the sporty guys, maybe they, they didn't really get me. and They used to uh, chase me home. I, I was... It's funny. I grew up in a in a small town in upstate New York, and it was yeah. a very athletic based town. And and I was not. Yeah. Um, and the minute you know, I was fourteen, thirteen, fourteen. You pick up a guitar, and you know every. I don't care who you are, guys at thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years old. Everything you do is geared toward getting girls. Oh, and, absolutely. You know, all my buddies or people I grew up with were like, you know, learning to throw football. I could throw it real far. This I'm like, just watch this. And we would joke. <laughs> all I had to do was pick up a guitar, and it was like hook line. It was like fishing. <laughs> Well, that's that's the thing about a guitar versus a piano because you you can rarely pull that out at any party. That's true. It, yeah. I'm not lugging in my my three-ton no. piano from my. Yeah, you bed have to bring people to it, <laughs> which yeah, is yeah, yeah. decidedly more difficult. So, right. um, so it was harder. But in my in my whole school career growing up, that I was only involved in three fights ever. I was not a very physical chap, right. but uh, all three fights centered around me somehow kissing some other guy's girlfriend and then getting. <laughs> dragged out into the yard for it this is perfect um, i love this yeah so that's that's my story i uh, i was i was a music kid small town kid um, how does it in south africa because i always like to bring people through like sort of your chronological story but i'm i'm kind of uh, i have to say i don't obviously know how it works there so um when you move on to after after high school you move on to university or college or, or whatever yeah. do you declare a major like what what was that process like for you did you did you go on to or did you just go and pursue music like walk us through that those late teen years well um i don't know you know it's uh i i guess oh yeah because it's difficult to to under because the two cultures are very different and uh, i'm i'm just recently um getting to know because some of my family members in the states are about to go into college as you call right. it or university right. and it's really a, i mean the, the words they use and everything about it is very different to my experience yeah right right but but i think um so I understand your question, but in terms of direction, I really didn't have a clue what I was going to do. And even, even though I was a musician classically trained, I never in my wildest imaginings thought that I'd spend my life or my career in music. I just thought it was a skill I had, you know, um, like playing chess or, or sure, anything. Sure. Right, I had, right. you know, um, um, and uh, so I, I went to, um, I applied to university the major university and I applied for a bunch of degrees. I applied for law and psychology and um, musical theater. And uh, I think I also did music, but um, I applied to a bunch and you I got really in really all over the place. Yeah. Were, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. And I got in for all of them because my marks in matric, which is what we call our final year of, of high school were really good. So um, surprisingly good. Like no one thought they were going to be good. Somehow I pulled it out of nowhere and they were good. And, and I got into whatever I, and uh, I remember uh, going uh, on admissions day, you go in there and you decide which, they all set up uh, tables around this hall and mm -hmm. you decide which major or which track to sign up to. And I, I literally was stalling in the middle of this hall, pretending to t tie my shoelace over and over because I just couldn't figure it out. And, and it felt like such a, a burden. This yeah, I was going to say, did you feel like that pressure that this is, there's so much riding on this decision? Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I had no idea. So, so um, I went to the first one, the one that was closest. I didn't even look. When in doubt, like, go with convenience. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so I ended up doing um, at university a uh, what they call a BALLB, which is a, um, a Bachelor of Arts, and my majors were in English, uh, psychology, and sociology, English literature. Right. Um, so I had a triple major, and then 
uh, addendant to that was a, um, a law degree, um, an undergraduate law degree, which right. uh, would normally take, I think, four years. But altogether, these two degrees would take me five years. So instead of a four-year and a four-year, I just did them together. And yeah. It was a heavy lo- workload, and it required me being on two sides of the campus because um, right. the humanities one was on the east, and the, the law and commerce side was on the west. So I was right. constantly traipsing back and forth. None of my, I had two sets of friends, you know, the law friends and the, yeah, and yeah. the English friends, and none of them ever got on. All my right. friends hated each other, but somehow I got on with them. And, uh, and I pursued this and, and I, I did everything because I really didn't know what I was going to do. And even after I finished that degree, I ended up signing up a, a, on, for another degree in theology. I, I went to study um, yeah, at seminary. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so in terms of uh, career, I'm the ultimate procrastinator. And my, my strategy is just to take up uh, as many different routes as I could. Um, but uh, then something happened. Uh, oh, wait. Which is, I don't know what you're about to say, but I have a sneaking suspicion. I know what it is, and I feel like it's a, it's going to be uh, very interesting for the audience listening right now, to, for me to tell how I right right intro intro it intro it. Mike. Let me intro this. Yeah yeah. So, uh, Connell comes into Hyde Park has an opening, and we are auditioning and looking for singers. And uh, Caleb, your band leader, finds you Diamond in the Rough, shares it with us. Says, Guys, I think I got the guy take a look. We, we looked, I forget how we, your audition tape or whatever it was, but we chatted. We loved you. It's great. Awesome. Good. Okay. We're going to film a video. You come in, we film the video. Everything is good. So I am a, a complete content monster. I just, I can't get enough content. And so, uh, I get home and I Google you, right? And, uh, Never in my wildest dreams (laughs) did I think that the man that I just spent, you know, whatever, five hours with filming this thing, very nice, very humble, great, um, (laughs) was the winner of Dancing with the Stars South Africa. And now that Mr. Connell here also, in addition to, you know, being a theologian and a lawyer, uh, had a a blossoming pop career, pop music career. (laughs) In South Africa. So if, if that's what you're alluding to, I cannot wait to hear. There you go. Let me yeah, tell please, you. You got to tell me about all of this. And then right, we got to get into the Dancing with the Stars stuff. Right. Let me, let me tell you how I get from, a, from an academic wannabe yeah. slash um, pastor, priest to, uh, to, to all of that. Um, yeah. I, one day in seminary, a bunch of us were just goofing around and we decided to try out for this uh, reality television show in South Africa which I think is based, it is, of course, I know it's based on an American show called The uh, Idols. So we, we went to audition for South African Idols. And I just did it as a joke with these guys. And, and like um, my history is I've been playing piano since I was a, a kid and I didn't sing in a band. I wasn't pursuing music, but I sang at church every now and again when they'd let me. They really didn't like me singing. They preferred me playing the piano. And I didn't have any ambitions otherwise. Mm-hmm. So I go there for a, for a joke. We call it a, um, a jol in South Africa. Yeah, yeah. It means a party. And, uh, and I just auditioned and uh, all my friends drop out in the audition process um, and I'm the last one remaining. The difficulty is that they were my lift back and forth. So all of a sudden I'm in the middle of town and I've got no way to get home, right. but they want me to stay on to do more, more auditions. And, uh, and then I, I, I do the show and um, I didn't end up winning the show, but every stage that I was on, and I, I went quite far into yeah, how far did, how far did you make it? I think I went down to um, single digits, maybe, or I, I can't remember how many people yeah, there yeah. were left. I, I didn't. I probably wasn't like 
the last five, but I, I think I was lot, pretty close to that. Okay. But the point is, for someone who didn't think any of this was even possible, uh, even even being the the top hundred was amazing, and then getting down to the top fifty was unbelievable. And then I can't now believe I'm here at top ten. Exactly. And this, so the exposure is is giving you a national exposure within the country, or how is this? Totally, all, all over the country, people are listening to me sing, and um, and I couldn't believe it. And uh, I, it really was a, a huge um, mind shift. Just uh, I woke up the next morning after I was eliminated and, um, and they flew us out of Sun City where we, we were holding these auditions. And I was just in a daze the whole time. You know, previously, I didn't know what I was going to do. And now all of a sudden, it was almost as if this, this path was, again, thrust on me, um, undeniably. I got picked up for a record uh, deal almost immediately after that. Um, and uh, they didn't want me to do any of my own songs in South Africa. So I, I sang the songs that uh, writers wrote for the first album, but it did so well. And uh, on, on the back end of that first album that we released in 2014, um, it charted number one in the country. Um, I got nominated for all these awards in South Africa. It's our version of uh, the Grammys, they call it the, the Samas. And, um, and on the back of that, it, it, the label just really put that whole career into overdrive. I got to write with some of the most incredible um, writers and artists around the world, from uh, the guys who write for One Direction and Shawn Mendes to uh, the guy Nick Jonas and uh, Teddy Geiger, all of these guys. We were all sitting in the same room together making music for these albums. And eventually the second album gets released and none other than L.A. Reid picks up a phone in New York City saying to my record label in South Africa, you guys got to come across, we'll make something happen. And that's what led me to... America. I, I moved in 2015 to release music um, to the world, not just South Africa. Okay. So I'm going to stop you there because I have a, a bunch of questions. So on the first and second album, when you're like doing it, right? When you're going, yeah, yeah. are you touring? Are you doing shows? Are you doing touring? Yeah. And oh, starting out. Living it, you're doing it. And selling I'm, it. Amazing. I, overnight, overnight, I went from a guy who, um, as, as you know, was just bumming around with his seminary mates in a line to try it for idols. And then well, I suppose not overnight, but sure, at sure. least. No, I, 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 I know what you mean. So, yeah. okay. So um, at any point, I mean, look, for, from a lot of people, that idea of like that, that hey, I ended up uh, as, a, as a rib, as a goof, you know, auditioning for this thing and then it happens. You know, it's kind of a, a, a uh, here in the States, we'd call it like the American dream, right? Like you, right, you, right. That's, the, that's the dream. But when you're <laughs> in it, was any of it too much for you at any point? Like, did you, did you say, wow, this is, this is a lot. And now, you know, cause I assume people are recognizing you. Are you having a hard time kind of living a normal, a normal life or did you love every minute of it? Yeah, I was a young guy. I loved every minute of it. Anyone who says otherwise is lying, but unlike, <laughs> unlike, um, unlike, uh, I think maybe a, a lot of people with a temptation of notoriety or fame, I, I still had a really strong family structure and all my friends were the same friends from uh, high school and from seminary. These were good folks and none of them ever let any of this get to my head or, or let me get more obsessed right. about myself. I, there was this one really funny instance uh, that everyone keeps bringing up or every, every now and again, when I get a little bit ego driven, they, they remember, they remind me of this moment where I'm at the airport in South Africa and I hand over my, uh, my ID card to get on the plane. And the lady behind the counter says, oh, Connell, Connell Cruz. Whoa, Connell Cruz. Wait, are you a musician? 
And this is quite early on, right? This is in the first, and I'm like, I can't believe it. This yeah, is yeah, like you're like finally happening, right? And she says, "Oh, I totally love your song," and then she proceeds to sing someone else's completely different song, <laughs> not not my that song. Is, at all. That is fantastic. <laughs> and uh, it was just, it was very, it was, uh, it was a good moment to have early on to sure. recognize that that even even with fame, even with attention. Come, there has to be a little bit of level-headedness. And yeah, you have, to, have, you have to be able to find the levity. And, yeah, yeah, there's a big world out there. We're just all small parts of it, and that's okay. And there's yeah, nothing yeah. Oh, that's so funny. So, okay, so LA Reed calls, and now you come to the States. Yeah. And what, what happens? So, so we release music in the United States, and then on top of, of touring all over South Africa, I'm now touring all over um, the States. And, uh, Mike, I, I literally went everywhere. You name a place in, in the States – East, West, South, North, anywhere in the middle, I've been there. I've played um, in, in some dingy nightclub there. I've, I've visited some radio station there and, and shaked someone's hand in, in one of those cities. And it was really super eye-opening to, 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 go, to go from the small town that I never left sure. to being literally all over uh, the world. And, um, and it was really amazing. And the songs did so well and charted um, on Radio Disney on the West Coast and um, still play all over the country now. And, and it was, it was also, I got to tour with a band called Safety Suit. I'm not sure if you, you remember them or, or have heard of them, but um, they, uh, they're really good. Safety Suit wrote a really good song that any young lady who ever watched those teen dramas, do you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah, 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 yeah. those shows, they would know them you know their songs always played at the end of Grey's Anatomy or something yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, you should have seen the crowds that they pulled out it was and it was awesome to play in some of these iconic venues like the Troubadour and it was really fantastic oh, how to, neat to is go that? all over there yeah really amazing and to be to be backstage and see you know Billy Joel's signature on a wall and know I'm gonna go up and you're playing and in the same sit on that spot. stage yeah let's awesome. let's uh let's listen in on on some of this music here Tell me a little bit about this song. Yeah, so I wrote Into the Wild uh, in, I think I wrote it in 2014. So that my first album was a huge success in South Africa. And on the back of it, um, myself and the label really wanted to write more songs of my own rather than get songwriters in, which is great. And we always inc incorporated um, that side of the industry. But I just felt I really wanted to get hands-on creative with this right. process. So... Um, through connections and, and through friendships, I got to sit in, uh, in a writing session over Skype, actually. I was in South Africa at one o'clock in the morning and, uh, and they were in New York. Um, it was the, the lead singer from uh, the American Authors and um, the producer for Shawn Mendes and uh, Demi Lovato and Carly Rae Jepsen at the time. Mm -hmm. Three of us are on a video call. And we write a song and uh, just like... You, Mike, um, they just wanted to hear about South Africa all the time. I remember at one point they said, can you show me outside your window? Like, do you have like lions and elephants outside? <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> I just had a small little Labrador there. So I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, showed them, I showed them what I could. But um, 
they were really fascinated and we wanted to write a very African-centric themed song, sort of a, a world sound vibe, but, but very true to my roots, but very sort of bro pop anthem. That's what uh, Perez Hilton ended up calling it. He called it like a, a bro pop and that was also a cool moment to, to be tweeted out by Perez Hilton, Perez Hilton a little right. bit later on. It was awesome. So we're, so, but before all that, we're writing the song and we spend about eight hours in a session. Mm-hmm. I've literally gone on all nighter and the sun's rising and I'm saying, all right, guys, I think we did it. That's fantastic. And we release into the wild in South Africa and the day it releases um, as a preview for the next album, we hadn't even written the rest of the album yet. Uh, it trends, it, it charts, it's, uh, it's really blowing up. And there are people in uh, major labels around the country, around the world, who literally just look for emerging market blowing ups like that. And, right, uh, right, right. They did at uh, Epic Records. This guy who works for L.A. Reid found that this was blowing up at this time, liked the sort of um, American authors-esque sound of it, mm-hmm. and, um, and they called us over. And it was the most amazing thing to to walk around New York City, my first time being in that city, an amazing city, uh, and to walk up to LA's office and see the view of Central Park and to play on his piano that Michael Jackson played at. And it was just really amazing to just be sitting in, in that now, space. You mentioned, you mentioned, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but you had mentioned your strong like family support system. So when you yeah. come- when you come here, how old are you and who's, who's coming with? Because like, I know in my family, we travel with about seven of us at all times. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> right. I, but, just, I uh, can't imagine. So, okay. So as you grew up in a small town in South Africa, I grew up in a small town in New York and right. I can't imagine like accidentally in my career or in my life, you know, being flown to Johannesburg yeah. or a meeting yeah. or whatever. So I'm, I'm thinking of it in reverse and I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm so captivated by that, that yeah, human story. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's a real eye opener. And especially for someone like, uh, like maybe you, you don't realize it, but your country and particularly that city, New York has such a powerful pull on the imagination right. of everyone who isn't in it. It is the city that everyone wants to be in. Right. And, um, and certainly, my family travels as an entourage, entourage with me. Right. But uh, when you're when you're when you're doing a fifteen-hour one-way trip from <laughs> South Africa, it's, it's, they try to they try to limit the amount of people coming along for that. Sure, trip. sure, sure. And right. uh, for their sake as well as theirs. So um, just myself and my label manager and the label owner came went through. So it was just the three of us. Okay. And um, and, uh, and but how, it was still, how old are you when this is happening? Are you about twenty six? It was five years ago. Yeah, it's about twenty six. You're excellent math skills, McConnell. By the way, does that is that work? I don't know how old I am. I stopped figuring I don't know out how old, how old I am. <laughs> like I should know. You should know how old. I, I, I forgot. I can't see this. Connell just basically broke out the protractor and a calculator <laughs> to figure out. <laughs> I don't know if you have any. I, don't, I can't remember. Oh no, you're getting married, so you don't have any children yet, Mike. But um, right, right. As soon as I had my son, as soon as we have a, had our son. I stopped remembering how yeah, old you, I was. Yeah, you become yeah. irrelevant now, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's all about the so kid. Life's no longer about me. Yeah, I remember yeah. my birthday this year. I turned to my wife and I said, how old am I? <laughs> I, <laughs> forgot. Same, I have done the same thing. I was, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a young chap. And of course, hitting the streets of New York City, uh, getting to play all those showcases, meeting all these great people. It was awesome. And I'll never forget my first night at a showcase in New York. My, my guitarist... And my producer and I went out and the young lady who's, um, 
who's in the music video for Into the Wild. We became good friends, her and her boyfriend, and, and all of us would hang out together. They were really my only friends in the, in the early days. And I remember going to a, a, a whiskey bar that they knew or they were friends with the owner after one of my shows. Right. And uh, the guy said, hey, do you want to you come upstairs? And I said, sure, yeah, cool. You live upstairs? You live above your whiskey bar? Yeah, sure, come on up. I'm doing a shoot. I didn't know what a shoot was, but we walk upstairs and Mike, we open the door, the, immediately a cloud of marijuana smoke carries over us, right? So we're completely uh, enveloped. Yeah. On my left, there's an empty bathtub just sitting in the middle of this room, filled <laughs> with ice and champagne bottles, just, ton- just yeah. they're sticking out like a porcupine. There's a uh, white powder on every counter. I didn't, I didn't ask, but I'm, I'm pretty sure we all know what it is. Right, um, right. Several tall Amazonian models walking around topless, just, you know, in yeah. bronzer and glitter and seven people with magic big cameras and, you know, crazy beards and afros just taking photos of people. Yeah, and EMG dark. call that Tuesday. But no. That's Tuesday for you guys? <laughs> that's just a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first Tuesday. And uh, I remember at one point sitting down, just finding a wall, just kind of like just slinking down in a corner in a dark spot, just, you know, mantraing to myself, you're going to be okay. <laughs> and, um, and this guy was sitting next to me and he, and he said exactly what you said, Mike. He, he uh, he turned out, I, I, I fa- we connected afterwards, and he's this famous um, fashion designer of some kind. I, yep. I forget at the moment right now, but we were connected for a while on Instagram, and he, he, sa- he was in my hiding place before me, and he turned <laughs> over to me, and he's like, oh, this is your first, this is your first one? I said, first what? This is your first New York Tuesday? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is my first. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was really, it was eye-opening it, oh it really God. was it was every everything you see in the movies times a billion it was awesome sure and i love every minute of it and uh, so now i have okay so i have two amazing. questions first of all we, i i we, i can't believe i i can't convey to the people listening how good a dancer you are oh. <laughs> i i, I want to hear about the dancing with the stars thing in, in south right, africa right. i'm not sure the timeline of when that happens and i want to get to it but since right. we're chronologically since we're in this um this period of in your life where you're in New York, I know that you meet your wife here, right? Yeah. And then um, also I know that you at some point, either by choice or not by choice, you you stopped pursuing that side of things. So I'm, I'm interested. Tell, tell us about the love story and then tell us about sort of how we get sure. to, to modern day. Oh, I'd love to. Uh, that's my favorite part of the story to tell. So that same year, 2015, that my whole life changed and I became an international music uh, performer and artist and signed to um, uh, record labels in New York and releasing music around the world. I, uh, I, was, on a, I was on a dating app called Bumble. I don't know if you ever heard of it. but yeah, yes, I'm um, familiar. And, uh, and my wife was on Bumble. Actually, the story about it, I don't, you might want to cut this out for time, but the story of it's quite quite fun um it was my first so before that uh before that new york um tuesday moment but it was my first ever showcase for the label so it was really it was at joe's public um in in the lower east yeah so we booked out the room it was really just for the label execs it was just going to be the guys there and uh, listening to the songs mostly a and r guys just listening to a live performance of the songs for the album but it was because it was Joe's public, it was open for ticket sales. The problem is I'd only been in New York for what, like three months. So I didn't have any fans or friends. I hadn't done a show. So mm-hmm. I was really struggling in my mind with how to fill this venue. So what I did is um, I, 
I was trying to meet people and one of my roommates at the time, as I was living in, uh, the, in just under Central Park in Midtown, 58 West 58th Street, yep, yep. Um, lovely tall building. But one of my roommates suggested I get on Tinder or Bumble or Hinge to meet people um, because he would bring home a different woman every night, this man. He was so successful. I actually thought they were the same girl because they all looked the same. But right, then he right. told me that it was a different girl. Clearly, clearly had a type. Yeah. 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 And I would always hang out with him and he was really sick of me only hanging out with him and his friends. He says, you, you need to find new friends. Go on one of these apps, meet a girl, hang out with her friends. So I did. Um, I never went on any dates with these, these girls, but um, I did notice that there was a formula to the way these conversations happened. It was, hey, hey, something witty, something funny, you know, just trying to build a spark. And then eventually they would ask, what do you do? And when I'd say I was a musician or an artist, they would always say, oh, do you have a show coming up? That would always, I, you could bank on it. I'd bet right. you $10, sure. hey, I'm going to tell this person I'm an artist. They were going to the say, well, can I thing, hear you? Right. have a show. And I did have a show. So I invited, I invited all of these girls. This is the funniest. <laughs> Too much showcase. Oh my God. This Too is a showcase. I told them that, uh, I, and I think the entry was really cheap. It was only like $6, right? Yeah. It wasn't a big show. It was, it was, it was supposed to be low key. And um, so I told everybody. And when I say that I was using these apps, I was prolifically using these apps. So on show day, my guitarist uh, is doing sound check for us and I'm downstairs and he comes down after the sound check just as it ends. And he said, dude, how did you get so many people to come to the show? I said, what are you talking about? So I, I didn't ask anyone. I didn't even advertise it. And he goes, dude, the place is packed. There's standing room only. The whole place is packed. Oh God. The, the label guys were sitting at these tables. They were set out for them on the, the floor directly in front of the stage. Right. With, because they were supposed to be intimate, that no one really cared about the backspace. Right. The backspace was pumping. Everyone was there, standing and it was, room. No and one. it was the whole clientele were, you know, females <laughs> ages 24, yes. 30. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of them came with maybe their friends saying, you know, sure, come, right. come with me to see this guy. Um, and here's the kicker. I, I think all of them thought that we were going to do something afterwards. You oh, know what I mean? Like I was going to finish the show. <laughs> so, so, Eventually, it was so, so crazy, so unexpected right. that the, um, the marketing manager um, for, the, for the label comes downstairs and says, Connell, I just need to understand how you did this. Like, you know, we didn't put any promo in. We can't tell that you did any promo. How did this happen? We just want to know so we can feedback. And I said, listen, the only thing I can, can think of is that I just invited hundreds and Mike, when I say hundreds, I literally mean hundreds. I was on this app constantly. Um, I invited hundreds of people. and uh, Talk about gorilla, like uh, grassroots guerrilla marketing. Yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> laughed and he said, um, brilliant, well done. Right. But uh, you've got you've to get off this. You can't do this ever again. <laughs> and after the show, they snuck me out the back um, because oh. people literally were waiting. Oh, man. I can't to come out imagine to- how many angry people there were. <laughs> <laughs> It was, I felt terrible. And um, he made me hear from anybody again. Well, I I messaged all of them afterwards. I messaged them and I said, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate you coming. It was so kind of you. I'm sorry. I didn't see you. I'm, I did a copy and paste message to everyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. uh, That makes it sound a little worse, but I tried to be as kind as I could. And um, I, I did it before he made me delete all of these apps. So he's standing over my shoulder 
and we're walking to the, I remember we were on Sixth Avenue walking somewhere. And he's walking behind me and he's saying, so I want to see you. You got to delete all these apps. You can't do this again. And, um, and as I'm deleting it, Sarah, my wife, she wasn't my wife then, but yeah. Sarah uh, messages me just a hi, just one of the, the you know, I'm yeah, quite yeah. right. And um, she messages me. I, I thought she was beautiful. From that first photo, I was like, geez, this is, this is special. And I just thought there was something so serendipitous about Imagine if I had started with this app and deleted it first, yeah, I would right. never, I would have missed it. Right. And um, so quickly while I'm under the gun, I say, Hey, great to meet you. And unlike all the others where we do the witty banter and Here's stuff, my number. I just literally say, can I take you out for dinner tomorrow night? I'd love to meet you. And she was like, Whoa, pretty, pretty forward. That's a little bit too fast, too furious. So right. she <laughs> said, she's, she's busy. Um, I said, all right, how about Thursday? Cause it was a Tuesday. And, uh, she said, oh, I'm busy too. And I was really pressing cause he's literally, Connell, have you deleted it yet? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I said Friday and she agreed. And we went out that Friday. It was, Michael's just love at first sight. Uh, it was, we went, we went to a, uh, a Mexican restaurant in Chinatown that a friend of mine owned at the time. And um, I think if, if people are New Yorkers listening to this, they might know it. It's, uh, it's the only curved street in, in Manhattan. It's Doyle Street. Oh, yeah, street. I know it well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, next There's door is a club is like, down there called uh, Apothic. 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 Yeah, yeah. We yeah, went yeah. there afterwards. Yeah. So um, we went to the Mexican restaurant and we went to Apothic. And it was just fantastic. It was a great, it was a date for, if, if you thought my grandparents' story of meeting in Angola and sending over their champagne was amazing, this was an amazing date. By first date standards, yeah, yeah. it was just fantastic. And we saw each other for the next five days straight. We couldn't get enough of each other. And after five days, I had to go around the country for a month on a radio tour. But we spoke every second I was away. And the moment I came back, we carried on seeing each other every day. And it's been like that for our whole lives. Uh, that's so great. So how long were you guys dating before you, uh, you know, proposed? And then how long be, until you got married? And it was a, it was a year to the day yep. that, um, after we met, we met on the 5th of August in 2015. And, uh, a year later I took her to South Africa. I flew her to South Africa to meet my family and to go on a, a game drive. We call it with safari. We call it a game drive. And, um, she'd always wanted to be, she'd always wanted to go to Cape town. It was one of her dream places. So we, we did a, a whole tour of the country and, um, I proposed to her a year, um, to the day. What a story. We met. What and, a story. Um, yeah, it was did beautiful. You get, did you get married there or here? So we flew back to New York straight after being proposed and we started planning our wedding. Um, but as soon as, um, as soon as we started planning, I, uh, I realized that my schedule relating to my artist career in South Africa was uh, getting a little bit more demanding. It was in the cycle of, of album release and I needed to be back there. So we, uh, so we decided to... We decided rather than having a lengthy engagement, uh, we decided to just go to City Hall and get married straight away. It was, we were engaged for literally three weeks, I think, at most, before we went down. Right, right, to right, say, right. I think we got to New York. The next week, we went to get our marriage license, and the week afterwards, we, we got married. My parents flew over. Her parents came in from the Carolinas, where they're from, right. and um, my brother and her sister flew in, and it was just us. We went to a beautiful restaurant called Erminia's in the Upper East Side. Beautiful place. We still go there every year for our anniversary. And uh, well, not this year because it was closed, but um, 
it was just a really magical fairy tale thing. It was just Look really. You. You're so in love. I love it. Yeah, love it's it. It, it. It still is. I mean, there's been so many happy moments, but it really is one of the most happy moments of and our you lives. Guys, you had alluded to it before. You have a, a son or a daughter. That's right. We have a son. He's uh, now two years old. Um, back then, he was just a glimmer in our eyes. But uh, uh, we got married, and almost straight afterwards, in 2016, we moved to South Africa because I had to be on Dancing with the Stars, which was going to be a, a good six-month commitment. I never anticipated that I would be anywhere close to yeah. the end of the show. I thought I was going to be one of the first ones out because, Mike, I'm not a dancer, 100%. Saying, had you ever danced before? Absolutely not. Guys, I, listen to me. I'm going to I'm gonna put it up. You have to go to elegantmusicgroup.com slash show notes. I'm going to link <laughs> the man doing the Paso Doble. Oh, oh, Paso Doble was a good one. Yeah, yeah. That was a great and one. You, so, and you won the friggin' show. Yeah, we won. Can you believe it? It was the inaugural... Um, South African Dancing with the Stars um, show and uh, and really, Mike, I, I didn't have a lot of hope. We had to tie in the contract for six months because we had to be there for the finale, whether I was in or out. But um, we, I really thought this is just going to be a quick jaunt in, and then we'll just vacation for the rest. Are of those the shows? Time. Do they? Do I would assume because they're, they're live, so much yeah. of your time. Do they? Do they pay you for? The, do they pay you? Right? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, right, of course. Right, okay. Um, right. Because uh, it literally is your entire time. It's your life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, and I, right. I think if if that show and my success on that show is testament to anything, it's it's just testament to the fact that uh, the more effort you put in, the more hours you put in, it really comes into just the amount. Yeah, I'm of work a big believer. What you put in is is what you're going to get out. Yeah, for sure. And and uh, the breakdown of the numbers was uh, by the end of the the season, the amount of hours that my myself and my dancing partner put into rehearsals was uh, at least twenty times more than the closest. It's Connell and Matilda! Congratulations! Congratulations, you are the champions! <laughs> we won! I don't even have any words. There's I, no way to like, describe there's this. There's no feeling. There's like, yeah, there's no words to describe the feeling. But I'm, I'm proud. I'm, I'm grateful. Oh, I'm yeah. shocked. Um, Wow, there's just so many oh, words. Absolutely, we don't take any of this for granted. This is this is the culmination of four months of hard work, hard work. of passion, <laughs> but also the whole of South Africa and everyone who's behind us, just yeah, loving so what we're much. doing and putting their fingers to their phones and voting for us. This belongs to everybody it in Team Cruise Control. Without everyone absolutely. involved, absolutely, without question. Yeah. This is everybody involved, and if only we could share this with everyone, that would be. Awesome. But in the meantime, we'll look after this. But everybody trusts us. Good idea. So now, is, is your wife here when that's happening? Or is she no, with you? No, we're there. We're there in South Africa. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We, we couldn't bear to be apart. Sure, and, sure. Uh, and that's sort of one of the reasons behind the, the immediate marriage. Um, because uh, we, we just didn't want to have a lengthy engagement. And in order for uh, a visa to work for my wife to come to South Africa. You had to be um, married or whatever. Yeah, it right. would just be so much easier. So right, right, right. we we really we took the the decision to marriage first. We'll figure out a, a wedding later, and we ended up doing a wonderful wedding in South Africa. Um, we did it for our, our larger families to meet and to also go on a safari game drive. Sure, sure. But, uh, we also did it for uh, TV in South Africa. A lot of uh, TV uh, entertainment companies wanted to 
be involved with that. So, right, right. so we did it to try and tick everyone's boxes. But my wife and I, we really got married. Our wedding was in, in, city in Hall. New York at City Hall. It was, it was great. So, um, so here we are doing Dancing with the Stars. And Mike, it's literally a, they're 12 hour days. I, I used to wake up at five in the morning to get to the, the studio mm-hmm. um, at six. And we would rehearse the entire day with one break only for like a 45 minute break. Yep. Dancers eat the worst, by the way. We just eat junk. So they, we yeah, just yeah, used yeah, to yeah, eat yeah. cake at like 12 o'clock. We didn't <laughs> even have meals. We just ate cake. And, uh, and then we'd, we'd rehearse until eight o'clock, even later at night. And that would be seven days a week. And then on Sunday, we'd be shooting the whole day. And they were a live show. So, so that's what it was for the, for the entire period. And um, the surprise of our lives was uh, after the show, after the, the joy of winning and, and finally, okay, now we can take a breath. Uh, my wife and I realized we were pregnant. And, right, um, right. and then we had our son, uh, Ivor is his name. He was born in South Africa um, on Christmas Eve in 2018. Uh, really, really wonderful, uh, stressful, beautiful time. Now, my advice to anyone listening to this, just try not to have children on Christmas Eve in, yeah, in yeah. a hospital because no one wants to be there <laughs> except <laughs> us. Um, but uh, non- nonetheless, it was, it was really, uh, he's healthy, we're happy, we're healthy, and, uh, and he's great. He's about two years old soon, and right, he's right. just full of joy. And uh, that brings us here. After, after all of that calmed down and we, we had our son and it was okay for us to travel again, we decided to come back to New York and continue our journey here. So... In terms of your, your pop music career, your original yeah. music career, is that not conducive to the family life that you want to have now? Is it something you're still pursuing or are you writing? Or how has having a, a, a son or a family sort of changed you know, those endeavors to go from, from bringing in 200 women on Bumble to now you have a <laughs> wife and a son? You know, it changes your outlook a little bit on life. So tell me how yeah. it's impacted the, you know, the career a little bit. Yeah, but in case that soundbite gets me into trouble, I haven't been on any of those dating <laughs> sites for years. Um, but <laughs> thanks for thanks for that, Mike. Just down yeah. the river. You're welcome, um, sir. <laughs> but um, yeah, you're quite right, as you suspe- as you suspect. Um, I I couldn't imagine being on the road like I was before I met Sarah. Doing that tour with. Uh, Safety suit was awesome, and it and it really is a fantastic life for for someone who's maybe unattached, maybe sure. who's single, maybe someone whose partner uh, or better half is in that life with them. Right, like, right. To be separated from your loved ones for six to eight months of the year while you're on the road, um, just traveling nonstop, is, uh, it's, not, uh, it's not the kind of life I want for my family, nor is it the kind of life I want for, for myself anymore. Um, but I'm really glad I, I had it. And uh, I will say that, before um, the pandemic, it was really not even uh, an idea that I would carry on touring and, and sh- doing shows. But now uh, that everything's done virtually and online, there might still be um, there might still be a way for me to pursue that that performance touring path without ever leaving the comfort of our home. So right, that's right. been a, an interesting a development in the career but as a as an artist i still do release music mm-hmm. um i just released an album right now in south africa um take me to the river and all summer long are the, the singles from that that uh that new album and um and it's doing really great and it's it's really doing great down there but um i don't tour the album anymore i think in south africa right. my artist profile has reached a, 
a space where you don't, I don't really think have... any art. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think yeah, any yeah. artist would ever say they don't need to perform live anymore. I think yeah, yeah. just shooting themselves in the foot, right. but I don't think I need to tour or perform with the same sort of uh, schedule necessity sure. as I used to. And, um, and I'm quite happy and comfortable releasing music for my fans to, to listen to and enjoy um, as I release it. And I do write for other artists as well. I just wrote for um, an artist right now who's about to release something. I wrote for an American artist who, who released his uh, first single last, last uh, year. Uh, I, I enjoy that side of the, the industry a lot. Yeah. And producing and making music for myself and other artists is, is something I'm still passionate about, still involved in, and comfortably can do in close proximity to my family at any time. Right, right. And plus now with the way of the world, like you said, everything is virtual. I mean, you alluded to it before, you could do those recording sessions like this. You know, you can totally. do better. Right. Yeah, totally. it's, ama it's amazing. Technology has really changed the way that we write and the way that we do music. And it's, it's a very interesting thing, you know? Absolutely. Really yeah. fascinating. So, wow, this is, I, I could continue to go on and on and on. And I, yeah. I want to be... I want to be respectful of your time. So let me just ask you a couple of, of closing thoughts here. So, all right, all right. Um, you find your way to Hyde Park, right? Have, have, had you sung with, because, you know, doing the pop music sort of background, that has a very different type of setup than the classic sort of big horn sure. event band, right? So tell me how you've been finding that. And I know that, you know, COVID really kind of threw a wrench in, in, in the amount of times that you got, you've gotten together with the band so far. And, you know, yeah, you guys yeah. have a lot of things that are upcoming, but, but talk to me a little bit about that process, how you're finding it, you know, um, you know, bring bring us through your, your thought process. Yeah. Well, Mike, I, I gotta be honest with you. It's, um, I think it was, it was a selfish rather than selfless pursuit of me looking you up, looking Caleb up. Right. I, I, uh, I really missed in South Africa. I, I played at church on Sundays. I, I had um, my band that we'd hang out with all the time during the week, just casually, but also creating music constantly, a, a really cool source of inspiration for me. And also a community, a, a network of, right. of fellow musicians. I didn't have that in, in, uh, in America. I had been too busy touring to develop any sort of familiarity. Sure, sure. And one of my friends suggested that I, uh, I hang out with some wedding bands because uh, in his words, I think his phrase was, um, they're the sickest cats you'll meet. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's true. I think in terms of their chops, in terms of their ability to shortchange styles and yeah. engage with music and to deliver, um, I think they're probably right. I think, uh, I think wedding bands and church musicians, I think, have to be the most versatile and skillful I could not agree more. And it's funny because we always, I've we've talked on this, um, on this channel, on this show a lot about yeah. the stigma. Uh, and I don't know how, what wedding bands are like in South Africa, but you know, we're, we live in what we think is like the, the central hub, the Mecca of the wedding industry in terms of, of wedding entertainment. And for years and years and years, there was a bad, um, there was a stigma attached to, to wedding musicians. You know, it's like where mu musicians well past their prime or opportunities kind of went to die sort of thing. And to your point, I have never met so many talented musicians until oh, yeah. I started playing in wedding and event bands because of the versatility of being able to back up, you know, Frank Sinatra into Justin Timberlake into Jay-Z. Like that's a very real thing that oh, happens yeah. inside of a 15 or 20 minute set. And 100%. it takes a special type of musician to be able to do that, you know. Absolutely. And, and especially when I think about Hyde Park, um, none of these uh, artists in the band, none of these musicians are, are in any way past their prime. I think they're, 
Oh my they're, God, no. They're, they're, still, they're still on their way to it for sure, but they're close. Yeah. Um, and I think many of them are at the top of their game. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything about past their prime at all. No. Well, you know, that was part of our goal when we, uh, when we took over EMG and we wanted, you know, like I said, I'm getting married. You and I are the same age, I think. You know, I want, oh, yeah. I want someone that looks and, and has the same sort of life experiences as I do up there. Uh, and Absolutely. I, I don't want a dinosaur who's been playing music for, for 60 years, you know, because Absolutely. it's just not what I want, you know? So yeah, I, I would agree. That's a, that's a company-wide thing. If you look at all of our bands, we look for very, uh, we look for young musicians in their 20s, 30s, 40s, but that have, a, you know, a lot of life experience. Absolutely. Have, like, you know, or a South African pop star, you know, that's what we look for. Yes. <laughs> One of the two, <laughs> either life experience or South African pop star. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but certainly, uh, the rehearsals I had with the Hyde Park team, these guys are excellent. They're on fire They're And, and I was really excited. And, and that was the reason for me reaching out, um, to Caleb was, was to really join in it, right? a community of right, right. excellent musicians who were striving and thirsty and hungry to be the best in their game. Yeah. Well, let's, you know, let's, let's just call it what it is. We're happy to have you. you know, hey. This is, uh, we've been lacking a pop star and th- quite frankly, you, uh, you check off that box on the, Glad uh, I fulfill your quota. on the, on the, uh, office survey that the quota. That you <laughs> no, we're, we're glad to have you. Um, I think that our clients are going to be so very lucky, uh, to have you as their entertainment at their wedding and your band, you guys are so talented. And, uh, you know, we, I, normally we would go into a, something here called quick questions where I would just fire things at you but oh yeah yeah i I don't i just think that this was so good and so insightful um oh yeah i'm gonna give you the last word what is is there anything that uh you didn't say that you'd like the people to know about you oh i jeez i i feel shortchanged about the quick question rapid fire but i will say well then i'll tell you what how about let's make it let's make a deal about six months, you come back. You do, we'll Great. Do another, we'll do another one of Great. these, part two, and I'll hit you with quick questions. All right, all right. But I, I certainly, the only thing I, I want to add is uh, I think there's something really special about um, the culture of a wedding band. And you're quite right, Mike. It's different in America to South Africa. It's a different yeah. vibe. It's a different mentality. But the, the specialness, the magic of being included, being invited, and I speak specifically for your upcoming coming wedding as well to 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 be honored with the invitation to join you it's such a magic day in, yeah. in, an, in a day that changes your life completely there's right. if there's one point in my existence where i think about that was the biggest change the biggest right. mover sure. for good for great right it's my marriage day to to wife to my wife it's it's my wedding day to sarah and i i feel it will be the same for you and for anyone else who's listening and for us as Hyde Park or, or any of your uh, properties. It's a very intimate thing, right? Yeah. Absolutely. It's an honor and it's special. Yeah. And, it's, and I think it's rejuvenating to constantly be in that magical space as right. a musician, as an artist, as a human being, as a lover. To be in that space, that magical space, it's lovely. And it's an honor. And like I- a goddamn South African pup. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Connell, thank you so much for joining Thanks, us here. Mike. This was very insightful, and uh, we'll see you on a stage uh, real soon, hopefully. I look forward to it. Thank you very much, Bye-bye. Bye. You can find us at elegantmusicgroup.com or on Instagram at elegantmusicgroup.